0: That Evans stalled to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back, it's over his head, it's gone, it's in the bullpen, this game is tied, this game is tied, David Ortiz, David Ortiz, David Ortiz.
1: This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I
0: think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will.
1: I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
2: Achievement or a new milestone, they don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, for so are a ceremony. No, no. like Now, to
1: your hosts. All right, Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. Of course, uh, CLNS, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of New England professional sports. You can follow CLNS on social media. On Twitter, it is at CLNS Radio. Facebook is CLNS Fans. Uh, Of course, don't forget to download the CLNS free mobile podcast app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. Or for Android, of course, you can check out the uh, Google Play Store as well. Um, of course we're on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you could go to iTunes if you haven't already, rate, review and subscribe is the biggest thing you can do for us. Um as Red Sox season is here. We're talking baseball, a lot of stuff going on this week, guys. Um, you know, we got Manny Machado and Pedroya, Brock Holt has Vertigo, Benatendi's being Benintendi, apparently with some flow still, and uh guys, it's been a very, very exciting week all around.
2: Yeah, overall, it's definitely been a good week. Um, nice to see some offense come through. Nice to see Intendi have a really big game. And, you know, is I like that the Orioles and the Red Sox kind of have this rivalry going on early. It makes for more interesting games because they meet several times throughout the season. So it makes it more interesting to watch out for.
0: Oh, before we get into baseball, Jared, congrats on your engagement. You guys did it for me, so I'm doing it for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it
2: big congratulations there that's so exciting
1: yeah it's weird welcome I was talking, to the clan I, uh, yeah seriously i was talking to jess before we came on and how i i still it was weird for the first time calling her my fiance and not my girlfriend and like it was like oh wait you're actually my fiance now that's not normal but okay <laughs> i do yeah. it's gonna take
0: it's gonna take a while to use <laughs> to yeah it's weird it's an odd thing it just but, changes after one day you know It's Mm -hmm. one thing the next one day, and it's the next It's a different thing the next day. Pretty
1: well, by the time I get used to calling her, my fiance should be my wife. So it's just a vicious cycle until that happens. So (laughs) hold
0: hold your horses, Jared. Hold your horses. (laughs) We're
1: engaged for a reason, right? It's not like I'm not rushing. I don't care anymore. Um, but that's
0: that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah,
1: (laughs) back to baseball. I but I appreciate it. But I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, exciting week though. Well, obviously let Jess break it down, but there was a lot that happened, and we'll get into detail, obviously, with the Pejora situation and um, other smaller things as well. But um, Jess, Red Sox played okay this week. Of course, you were right, shocker there in your prediction from last week. Um, <laughs> but that being said, a lot happened this week.
0: Yeah, I'll take the uh, correctly predicted week. Uh, we're for all the fans out there, we are going to keep tra- keep track internally of my uh, my record this year of picking because. If you listened last year, you know I may have gotten a few things right. So, And I also predicted the Celtics game on uh, Sunday by one point off. I said they were going to win by eight. They won by nine. Pretty close. Not bad. So I'm just going to do this for a living now. So jump on board, nice
2: everybody.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. So, yeah, this was a, this was a really interesting week. Uh, some high scores, some low scores, some injuries, some excitement, some Lauren seeing a, a loss in Baltimore. We had everything this week. So, Let's let's break it down. Let's start with let's start with Tuesday, and uh, this game was a lot of offense. And uh, Lawrence's favorite pitcher in the world. We'll break him down in a second. Um, Brian Johnson versus Marcus Stroman. On paper, it looks like the uh, Blue Jays have the upper hand, but Stroman was garbage. Johnson was not as garbage, so it was a good, exciting thing to see. The Blue Jays were stuck on two to wins. It was an eight to seven Red Sox win. Uh, go from the beginning because the fun got started early in this one. Um, Toronto got 2 nothing in the first off Johnson with Kendrys Morales RBI single, Justin Smoke RBI double, and then the Red Sox got the lead right back in the third. Uh, Betts had an RBI single and Mitch Moreland had a two RBI single to follow. Three to two Red Sox, but half an inning later, Justin Smoke cracked a homer, tied it at three. That didn't last too long though. In the fifth, the Red Sox got three more. Hanley Ramirez, RBI double. Mitch Moreland, RBI double. Pablo Sandoval, RBI single. 6-3 to three after 4.5. But just a half inning later, Russell Martin cracked a homer to make it 6-4. Betts hit a home run in the top of the seventh to make it 7-4. This was his first home run of the season. Uh, and then Andrew Benetton, made it 8-4 with a ground ball double in the eighth. Looked safe until the bottom of the ninth. And Toronto scored three runs off of Matt Barnes, uh, including a uh, Ezekiel Carrera two-run homer. And the Red Sox won 8-7. to seven. It was a little scary. Uh, Marcus Stroman didn't even get out of the fifth inning. He gave up 11 hits and six runs and four and two-thirds. Brian Johnson squeaked his way through five, giving up seven hits, four runs, three walks, and six strikeouts, including two home runs, over 97 pitches. So before we get into the offense, I mean, Johnson wasn't great, but he was better than Stroman. He got the win, and he stuck through five innings, so that's better than what it could have been.
2: Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm happy with it because um, he
1: pitched, that's why. He could have lost. Of happen. course,
2: because I saw him, he said, he could have pitched one inning and I'd be like, he did so well, guys. He pitched, pitched perfectly. <laughs> but no, I mean, six strikeouts is definitely encouraging. Um, I think, of course, he could have done better, but like, you know, just said he was better than Stroman and at the end of the nine innings, the Red Sox did win. So, and obviously he played a part in that. So, I think for, I don't think we were expecting a huge, big start from him at all. But I think what he came out with was exactly what we should have expected.
1: I mean, for the first start, like, after everything that that guy's dealt with, um, first start in the majors since all that, you know, it wasn't bad. Like obviously it wasn't good. Like he could have pitched a lot better, but one obviously got the way and the team helped him out unlike they helped out Chris Sale. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that, you know, he looked okay, his command was okay and he was comfortable for the first few innings and that's huge, especially coming out um for the situation he was in. So Overall, can't be mad at the guy. He pitched pretty well for the circumstances he was under.
0: Yeah, he left the lead. It was a spot star for Erod, who was on paternity leave. So he got thrown in the fire, first start in almost two years, and he got the win. So we'll take it. And then on the offensive end, uh, Betts had three hits, Moreland had three hits, Sandoval had three hits, Bogarts and Benintendi both had two hits. So there was a lot of offense in this game, guys, which is good to see because Although the average was the highest in the league going into this week, the home runs were not, and uh, bets cracked one of this game, and there were a lot of good hits. So it was encouraging to start off the week with some actual offense consistently throughout several innings.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that consistently overall, um, especially where the offense has been slacking, you know, they haven't been doing too well. Um, I, I think that this was a good sign of what this offense can do when they're right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I you know, there's been a lot of innings where or a lot of games where they scored in one inning or two innings, but this one was you know, four innings, so very different, which is good to see. Uh, so, I start off the week good, one and zero, and then the Blue Jays got us back here on Wednesday. Rick Porcello versus Francisco Liriano. Uh, both pitchers pitchers were good. Uh, Liriano didn't give up any runs in five and a third innings. Porcello gave up three runs, but none of them were earned in seven innings. Tough luck loser. Toronto won 3 to nothing. Everything happened in the second inning. And it, as I said, unearned runs, it was because of errors. Uh, the Red Sox had two errors in the first two batters of the inning, unfortunately, uh, with Mitch Moreland and Pablo Sandoval. And then the Blue Jays got two RBI single for Darwin Barney and RBI single for Ezekiel Carrera. And that was 3 nothing. And uh, that was all they'd get. There was only 12 hits total, six for each team. Those three runs were the only runs. Um, Pablo Sandoval had a 2 hit game. No one else had more than one for the Red Sox. Kevin Pilar had three for the for the Blue Jays. But, you know, I, th- this is encouraging for Porcello because people are like, oh, he's not good. But if they say that, they didn't watch the errors and the fact that he didn't go up any runs for the five innings afterwards. So this is a good sign for Porcello. Um, he stayed in control of the game, threw 110 pitches through seven innings, and, you know, got the loss. So he's one and two now, but no earned runs. So you got to like that.
1: Porcello that's
2: yeah. screwed. Yeah, no, he absolutely did. I mean, those errors, they shouldn't have been made. And, you know, that's why they're called errors. They're mistakes. We get it. But, you know, when it's so frustrating to see a score like that and to know that none of those runs are on Porcello, like they're not his fault. There was nothing he could have done completely out of his hands. Like that game would have gone into extra innings had those errors not been made by Panda and Moreland.
1: It's unfortunate the team couldn't bail them out after bail him out after what they did to him. Because look, I watched. Lot, obviously we watch a lot of Porcello. That was one of the best, if not the best, start I've seen him make like, ever.
0: Yeah, he was dealing. It's unfortunate, but just ask Chris Sale. If you don't get the offense, it's hard to win. Even if you don't give up hardly any runs, and three three was way too many in this game. Unfortunately, so so. A win to the Blue Jays was just their third of the season. Um, give them a little to be excited about because Jose Batista is having a horrendous <laughs> year, guys. So at least it's awful. something to be excited about, right? Because he's, he's awful.
1: This is why the Red Sox no. didn't want him. This is what they start coming. Everyone saw it coming. He's old and he's struggling and now he's on a bad team, which he's going to be unmotivated to play. In my opinion. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, I he, he's striking out. He's not getting on base hardly at all. He's not hitting home runs. He's doing like nothing that he used to do.
2: No, and I don't know if it's you know losing Encarnacion. I don't know if it's he's just not happy in Toronto period or if he's lost confidence in himself, whatever it is, he needs to figure it out and get over it because he's really that big name on that team. He's a big bat, you know Donaldson's on the d l so he really needs to step up at this point and he shouldn't be batting one oh nine or whatever he's batting right now, you know Jose Batista should be batting. 333 with four home runs right now and he's not anywhere close to that
1: well how big of a factor is it you kind of mentioned it quickly like how big of a factor is it that he doesn't have NKRC on protecting him anymore Um, he has to be, be the only guy on that roster who is that kind of powerhouse like they were together
2: well I feel like if you're a powerhouse you know it's when you're a powerhouse with somebody that's two people and I understand when you lose somebody it absolutely sucks and you don't have that person there but you yourself are still a powerhouse. So it just boggles my mind that even though Encarnacion's gone, that Bautista can't produce and just can't figure out like why he can't make contact with the ball.
1: To, to defend right. him, I mean, look how bad. I mean, I won't say look how bad, but like it took to Ortiz some adjusting when Manny was gone, right? Because he no longer had him for protection. It wasn't like, you know, you have to get used to not having that guy behind you to ha- make pitchers throw the ball to you. Um Ortiz had some adjustment before he started to understand patience at the plate, things like that. So I will give Bautista that. He still sucks. Like He's, he's doing a lot worse than Ortiz did when Manny left. But um, there is some amount of factor involved there.
0: Yeah, he shouldn't be this bad, I don't think. But I, you know, I, I think he'll turn it around. I don't think he's going to be this bad for the whole season or else he's one of the most worthless players in the league. So I think that he will get a little better. But not yet. It's not happening yet. So... Too bad for them, because they need them because everyone else is hurt and they're terrible. So, Which brings us into Thursday's afternoon matinee game, um, Chris Sale against uh, Marco Estrada. And this was all it was cracked up to be. Estrada uh, went six innings, giving up three hits, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. Chris Sale went eight innings, four hits, no runs, one walk, 13 strikeouts. So this was quite a pitcher's duel. Uh, the final was 4-1 to one in 10 innings. The Red Sox won, but it was a really interesting game because we're just going to skip ahead to the uh, ninth inning where it was scoreless, and Xander Bogarts gave the Sox a 1-0 lead with an RBI single, and then Chris Sale came out of the game. He had pitched eight innings. He could have just gotten three outs and won the game. He had 102 pitches. Farrell decided to go with Craig Kimbrell, who decided to go up a home run to uh, Kendris Morales and tie the game blow another win for Sale that he pitched incredibly in. Fortunately, Betts bailed him out. The Sox loaded the bases in the top of the 10th, and Betts hit a 3-RBI double the left field to make it 4-1. And then Kimbrell came in for the second inning and uh, got, got three outs. He only gave up the one hit, which was the homer, and he struck out five of the six batters. So he still pitched really well, but he blew Sale's win and made the Sox pull it out in extras. So first of all, let's just talk about how incredible Chris Sale is because this guy is absolutely incredible. He has a .91 ERA in four starts, and he's 1-1, which makes no sense. So first, let's talk about how incredible he is, and second, let's talk about if this was the right decision to bring Kimbrel in, because 102 pitches, I can get that, but he had 13 strikeouts in eight innings, so what do you do?
2: I, also- I don't agree with this at all. This is so stupid. It makes me so mad. When I saw that he was bringing him in, I was at work, and I was just like, no, this isn't good. And lo and behold, I was right. But I understand it was, you know, 102 pitches. I, I get the pitch count was up there. He throws hard. and But you you need to leave Sale in on that kind of situation because it took one pitch for Kimbrel to screw everything up. But Chris Sale would have pitched five, six pitches in the in- inning and the game would have been done right there. He would have had a complete game, blah, blah, blah. You just, I don't understand Farrell's reasoning. And I know I, I am pro Farrell. I love Farrell but this is one decision that I absolutely 100% do not agree with at all.
1: So you guys are going to be shocked by my response, but I actually agree with John Farrell's decision. Oh my Uh, God. (laughs) um, Okay. So Lauren, trust me, I understand everyone, their sister and their mother wanted Chris Sale to finish that game. I get it. But Craig Kimberle is still one of the best closers in the game, right? And... You he is on this team to win that kind of game. Your ace pitcher is over hundred pitches early in the season, in a season that everyone's expecting him to be a key cog late into late until October. So one, this guy has, can have elbow issues, has had elbow issues, and you don't and you've never seen him pitch into the postseason. You want to make sure this guy is, has some durability. It doesn't have any durability issues coming into the, the year. Oh, pitching that for the 15, 16 strikeouts or complete game in April isn't really that big of a deal. Especially because you should trust your closer, and I agree with John Farrell. And you know, he had faith in Craig Kimbrel, and he showed Craig Kimbrel a lot, saying, "You know what, Chris Sale could stay in that game, but I trust you to go win." Yeah, he blew it, but then he kept him in, and he came back and finished the game when he had a 3 round lead. But whatever, that decision was the right decision because of the time of year it is, and your your closer has been pitching pretty well, so you have to trust him in that situation.
0: Well, I'm coming to agree with both of you, and I know that's a massive cop out, but I'm not a cop out. We'll see. So I can see both sides of it. I can see why you would want to leave Chris Sale in because really, 102 pitches isn't that many, and he's pitched more than that um, in several games already. Uh, but I also see the other side of bringing Kimberly in because, like Jared said, he's been very, very good this year. He's been what we expected him to be, and you wouldn't expect him to go up a home run to the worst team in baseball. You know, you wouldn't expect that. So I think you couldn't really go wrong with either of them. I think if I had my way, I would have left Salem to get the complete game because the stock actually got a run for him for once in his life and that hasn't happened much. So I think me personally I would have left Salem, but I can kind of see why either one would have made sense. Is that a cop out? I mean, I think it's fair. I uh,
2: no, I think it's fair. I see I see your points. Um... I mean, I, you know, usually it's me who I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I agree with the both of you. Like, I can see it from both sides, but uh, I'm, I'm of you know, I know. Yeah,
0: yeah stick like, with your and, guns.
2: And, and, oh, yeah, I'm with my guns. I don't agree with it at all, but I can definitely see, like, where, like, where both sides lay. And, like, how you can see, how you can see it from both sides, absolutely, but I don't agree with both sides at all.
1: Yeah, awesome. it's just, it's just something where, again, I am one to always disagree with John Farrell, but... And it's it's just a it's time of year. If this was even in June or July, I'd probably say, why isn't he pitching? Why isn't Chris Daly? But because it's April, your closer's on a ride right now that he's pitching really well, especially the way he pitched last year, you have to trust him in that situation. And he blew it, he put him back in, and he finished the game in the 10th. You move on, and you keep Chris Daly maybe next time. Who cares? That that was the right decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool because... For one, it didn't matter, because the Red Sox still won. That's the best part about it. And then two, you really couldn't go wrong either way. They're both great pitchers. So, whatever. Let's throw our hands up in the air. It happened. And they won, so it's all good. If they lost, that's maybe a different story. But didn't happen, so that's great. So the Red Sox won two out of three from Toronto, continued their misery, which is a good start to the series. Unfortunately, it went downhill in Baltimore starting on Friday, which was back to uh, no offense, which is, you know, kind of a theme this week with getting shut out on Wednesday getting no runs until the ninth inning of Thursday and then getting shut out again on Friday. So it's been a little bit of a trend. This was Dylan Bundy against Drew Pomerantz uh, Both pitchers were good again Bundy 7 innings, 6 hits, no runs 3 Ks. Pomerantz lasted only 5 and a third with 102 pitches but he gave five, runs, uh, 5 hits, 2 runs 2 walks, 4 strikeouts. Pretty serviceable. He got the job done He just got out pitched by Bundy Uh, The runs were scored in the third and the fifth inning. Adam Jones, RBI single, Manny Machado, solo home run. That's all they would get. Um, But, obviously, this game, as most anyone who uh, follows the Red Sox would know, was all about the eighth-inning slide by Manny Machado. Um, Pedroia was trying to turn over double play in the eighth inning, and Machado slid very, very late into the bag and ended up spiking Pedroia's leg, and he ended up coming out of the game, and uh, they reviewed it. And somehow they decided that it wasn't a double play, even though the rule is if you slide too late and get in the way, like he did, then it should be it's an automatic double play. And they didn't call that for some reason. So I think they completely jobbed that. And then Pedroia was out anyway, and then nothing ended up happening because the score stayed the same. So basically, they just screwed over Pedroia because he got hurt and spiked, and nothing even happened. So stupid.
2: Yep, another one. Like I could go on about this for for hours, and I. I missed, I didn't watch the, the game when it happened, but, you know, Saturday I was just watching it over and over again, just trying to find, like, be like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. Like, no. Like, like you said, Pedroya got screwed. He got hurt out of it. There was no call on it that it should have been an automatic double play. It was just bad call, bad slide, bad result at the end of it. And it's just, it's so frustrating, especially to see somebody like Pedroya go down, who's really kind of like the heart and soul of this team.
1: Yeah, and, and for the game itself, obviously, it's tough to not get the double play, especially when it was kind of obvious, and um, we'll go more into detail in terms of like just the Sox and the Orioles and what, the whole situation in a second here, but um, I just think, the, obviously, it was a dirty play. I, I just can't get over how they missed it. When it was super obvious, the guy didn't slide until basically at the base and then stuck his leg straight up in the air. So, look, it's one of those situations where you, you, you know it was stupid. Everyone in, the, in their world thought it was stupid, and... I think Machado, obviously, was just going to defend what he did because it, he's it's who he is, and um, the Orioles are going to have his back because that's what you do for a teammate regardless of the situation. So um, that's why things started to get heated across the rest of the series. But um, I, I don't know. I, I look at it as the umpire should have huddled up and really got that one right, and I can't believe they didn't. That, that's where I'm at, that one. When They, they huddle up enough during the wrong times. They should have been able to huddle up and get that right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a rule for a reason, and like Farrell said after the game, he said, you know, the rule failed tonight, and if you're not going to call the rule as it is, get rid of it. Why is yeah. it a rule if you're not going to get it right? It's, exactly. it's obvious. This is what the rule's there for, for to avoid stuff like this. It's obviously double play, and they only call the guy out a second. It's like, what, what, why aren't they doing their job? Like, it's a rule. I don't get it. It's stupid.
1: Yeah, yep. and they, went, they went out of the way to, like, change that rule, too. Like, yeah, that became a rule change. For, for, like you said, Jess, specifically to stop things like that. And then yet they don't even call it. And it's like, you should know that rule. They just changed it. Like it's not, Some us right. forget certain things. If some rules don't get called too often, they have to double check, whatever. They might forget something. But that is a recent rule change. That shouldn't, that shouldn't be something that goes by the wayside. No, nope. it shouldn't. Not it's,
2: even, not even. It, like... just,
0: it just happened. Like they just did it. This just happened like re- very recently. It's stupid. Like two so everything years ago, about that game ridiculous. sucked. Yeah. yeah, two years ago in the playoffs, like a year and a half ago. Stupid. So yeah, that game sucked all the way around, 2 nothing loss. Um, I think you'd be encouraged by Pomerantz, but nobody even cared about that after the game because everyone just cared about the slide, unfortunately, which is what it turned into. So that brought us into Saturday, which was also um, a load of crap. Um, the Orioles won 4-2. to two. Uh, this game was Stephen Wright versus Jason Aquino, and uh, it's this one was tough because the Sox got up early, uh, two to nothing in the third inning. Jackie Bradley Jr. destroyed a home run um, to right field, hit Utah Street, and uh, 420 feet. That made it two to nothing. But Stephen Wright, after starting off very well, three scoreless innings. Completely fell apart in the fourth inning. Gave up a two-run homer to his nemesis, Trey Mancini, who's already hit three home runs against him this year. And then John and Scope hit a solo home run right after. He's also already hit a home run against him this year. They both went back-to-back in the first game. Um, And then Adam Jones made it 4-2 to with an RBI single. Wright couldn't even get out of the fourth inning. He gave up nine hits, four runs, and three and two-thirds. Fortunately, Heath Henry came in and cleaned up the mess. Three and third innings of uh, one-hit baseball. But the Red Sox couldn't score off Aquino and the... uh, Orioles bullpen after, after uh, Bradley's home run. So just six hits on two runs. Uh, Lauren will let you talk about it because you were there and, uh, you know, great, great to get the home run and right. looked good for a while, but then he kind of stunk up the joint there and the offense just decided to not exist anymore.
2: Yeah. I mean, first of all, I need to hand it to Baltimore fans. They are very nice. Like very classy fans. I was very surprised. I was kinda of nervous going in there as an away fan, so I really gotta hand it over to them that there was there was the you know, usual heckling or whatever, like sit down, you guys suck, blah blah blah. But other than that, it you no, know, at the beginning of the game, Wright looked comfortable and he looked good and I was like, Oh alright, he's cruising, this is good but the second that he starts getting hit off, he you just can't figure out what goes on after that because i feel like he just loses his mind he loses all confidence he had and it's like i don't even know what happens he becomes a totally different pitcher and everyone can just hit off of him it's hit after hit he has it's like he's lost all control after two hits happen and it's so frustrating because you know we jump out to the early lead jackie Bradley gets that home run you know it's we just can't provide that offense and he pitched well until they started hitting off of him, and it's just, it just—it blows my mind that he loses his confidence or he loses something when he starts giving up the hits, giving up the walks, and then it even blows my mind even more that we can't provide the offense that's needed. We can't push runs across the plate. We can't get men on base. You know, Sandy Leon drove the ball twice pretty deep, so that was—it's really frustrating to watch because it twice it looked like it was going out of the park, but. Overall, it was just they looked good until the Orioles took the lead and they just couldn't, for whatever reason, just get their mojo back.
1: Also, Lauren, the the ballpark in Baltimore just is fantastic. Gorgeous.
2: Absolutely love. gorgeous.
1: Yeah, no, seriously, love the ballpark in Baltimore. It's, it's an amazing ballpark. So if you haven't been to Camden Yards and you have the opportunity to be to Camden Yards, go for it. But um, the way Stephen Wright is, though, I think Stephen Wright is... Obviously, just kind of figured it out last year. Obviously, got hurt with the whole base running situation, so I don't know who knows if he's really 100% or figuring things out still, but you know, the knuckle go- knuckleball can go away as fast as it can show up. Um, I know Wakefield's been working with him. He pretty much always does, but I, I think it's one of those things where um, you might see some patches like this coming back from the injury, and, and-, and look, he's having control issues, but... Once you lose a knuckleball, you know it's hard to have the confidence to keep throwing it. Now it's all he does. So um, if you get a couple, if you get rocked early, it's hard to come back from that. And you're and you're seeing that with Stephen Wright right now. He starts to have some to miscues with it, and then he keeps it high and they let it fly. It's just it's just the way it's been happening. And um, it's a matter of if he can kind of buckle down and figure it out. It, look, it's early. It's April, um, but. You know, it's it's a concern for sure because you, we all expected him to be a key cog to hold this kind of iffy bullpen, not bullpen, but iffy rotation together, and right now he's not doing that.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of just the life of a knuckleballer. Sometimes you're really good for several months, sometimes you're not. You know, Wakefield was really good overall, but he had his two or three-month stretches where he wasn't good. So, it's oh, just... I,
1: remember, I remember stretches where people demanded, let him go, cut the guy, trade him, Wakefield's terrible, and now we all praise yeah. the guy for how good he was, so right
0: it's just kind of the life of a knuckleballer unfortunately you just got to ride it out if you're willing to keep the guy and obviously based on last year you want to give him more of a chance than you know four starts at the beginning of the season yes his year is 866 but he also pitched well last year and he could turn it around and be just as good as he has been bad over the next month so it's easy to jump off ship and be like yeah screw the knuckleballer but like kind of with that, those kind of people, you just got to kind of make the commitment to give the guy a chance and see how he does is really all you can do. So we'll see if they give him a chance. Um, it'll it'll be uh remain to see what happens with that. So that was uh, two losses to start the week, uh, to start the series, I mean, with the uh, Orioles. And uh, that, that brought us into Sunday. Honestly, I know this is going to just jump into our, our discussion about um, – everything that happened in this game on Sunday. So before we get there, I just want to go ahead and give out our uh, weekly MVP. We're giving it to Mookie Betts this week. He had seven hits, three home runs, eight RBI, four runs, and one walk. We'll give the, I mean, one double. We'll give the honorable mention to Andrew Benintendi uh, with nine hits, one double, three runs, two RBI, because he had a five-hit game on Sunday, which we're about to talk about. But overall, the week as a whole, Mookie Betts was the best. I don't think anybody can argue with that. What do you
2: think, guys? No, you can't. I mean, the numbers are right there. The numbers don't lie. And like you said, you gave the honorable mention to Benintendi, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, I mean, I think whenever Mookie plays at Camden Yards, he's just going to get the MVP anyway.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very true. And I think it's hard. I mean, it's funny because we've all before just said, oh, it has to be Benintendi. And then we went, wait. and then Jess went, oh, wait, didn't Mookie Betts have a really good week? And you kind of didn't realize it um just because that's who we, what we expect especially after he came back from being sick and we all said oh he'll figure it out and he just kind of quietly figured it out and no one's been talking about it because of everything that's been going on and um uh, just the way Ben has been playing and uh the whole situation we're going to talk about in a second so like you know it's just one of those things where he was flying under the radar and he's probably going to fly under the radar all year because he's probably going to have another really good year so that is uh just as a recap, of course, we'll, we'll get into the final game as we talk about everything else that's been going on. But the recap itself, of course, was brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek. Um, the SeatGeek Ticking app, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. You can get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and entity code, garden report, all one word um, for the $20 rebate. And so SeatGeek knows who sent you, just used it. Just told us he used it. Uh, it's fantastic. I've used it as well, um, so it's definitely something I think uh, works out well. Uh, you get good discounts on something you're going to go to anyway, so you might as well use the uh, the promo code Garden Report and get twenty dollars off. Uh, Just run us down real quick. What happened in this game? We'll obviously talk about it, but
0: yeah, so this was a good game, and it's funny because Betts had that great this great week, and uh, really most of it was against the Blue Jays because he started off the Orioles series zero for nine. And then turn that all around uh, Sunday here by hitting a three-round homer in the top of the first inning uh, with no outs. Xander Bogarts and Andrew Benintendi both got singles and Betts hit a three-round homer. Next pitch, Hanley Ramirez hit a solo home run, and it was 4 nothing before Kevin Gosman could even get an out, which was a real nice um, start for Eduardo Rodriguez coming off the paternity leave. Uh, he pitched six innings and only gave up one hit, no runs. Unfortunately, he had five, uh, five walks, seven strikeouts, because... You know, if he doesn't give up hits, he's probably going to get a little wild and have some walks. That's just kind of how he is. Fortunately, his team gave him a four nothing lead before he even pitched, so that helped his cause. Um, Mitch Moreland hit a home run in the fifth to make it five to nothing, and then Andrew Benintendi hit an RBI single in the sixth to make it six nothing. Part of his five for five evening, all five singles. Uh, and then the Red Sox gave up two runs, one in the eighth, one in the ninth. Uh, Manny Machado RBI double and Hyun Soo Kim with an RBI single. So, 6-2 win, Eduardo Rodriguez pitched well, uh, the Sox got 14 hits, um, so before we get into the whole debacle, I just thought some of you guys on another a, a good offensive performance after several poor ones, and then Rodriguez was dealing minus the walks.
2: Yeah, and it's nice to see Rodriguez pitch really well, especially, I know we had a lot of questions surrounding him going into the season and his knee injury, so it's, really a positive thing to see him kind of wheeling and dealing the last few starts so especially this last one besides the walks but the offense came through which was important so that was good to see and at the last two games just kind of crap offense and just not all around not good for that to come back now and put runs on the board and take a did not get swept by the Orioles and take one from them was very good to see.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, I didn't want to watch most of the game. I was stuck in a gym coaching all day. But um I know for what I saw, you know, e- Erod looked good as always. And it was nice to see the offense actually do something to help out for once. Um, Hopefully it gets consistent because, you know, it means consistently you look at the recap and you look at the week and um you see ups, you see shutouts, you see tough games with no runs, you see a few runs and um, that's going to be a big thing because you know you don't know what the bullpen is going to do. You don't know how consistent the staff is going to be, but you need something to be a constant. And it was the offense last year, and that's what kept them afloat going into the playoffs and got them into the playoffs. So that's going to need yeah. to figure itself out. And I think that it will. I think you have the lineup to figure it out. I just think it's a matter of it being April, <laughs> but um, th- that's that's where I'm at with the offense. I think it's just nice to see in this game at least that they came big. They came up big for the team.
0: And hey, even though the offense has been inconsistent, the team's eleven and eight right now. So, I mean, it's still, it's still pretty good. Uh, they're still getting the wins and staying afloat, which is all good. Um, so let's get to, get to the eighth inning here in this game. Um, two days after Machado slid into Pedroia, uh, Matt Barnes decided to retaliate. He threw a pitch behind Machado's head in the eighth inning uh, and hit his bat. Didn't even hit him, so he continued batting and then got that RBI double I talked about. Uh, but Matt Barnes was immediately ejected, even though it didn't actually hit him, uh, just because it was behind his head. Uh, and then after the game, well, actually during the game, uh, the cameras caught Pedro having an exchange with Machado, where Pedro was saying, "It's that wasn't me. That was that was the team." You know, he said that was them. He said, "I if I was going to do it, I would have hit you in the first inning." of like the first game afterwards, not way afterwards like this. And he just said, you know, I know that, you know that, that, that this wasn't on me. Uh, and then after that happened, um, after the game, Barnes and Matt Fer- uh, Matt Farrell, Matt Barnes and John Farrell <laughs> both, both <laughs> said, yeah, I know, Matt Farrell, uh, they both said that um, it wasn't intentional and then afterwards, Zach Britton, who's on the DL right now, decided to open his big mouth and say that Pedroia is not able to control his teammates and that that's really the big issue because his leadership's not there. So a lot to dissect here. Uh, we'll kind of jump in first. I mean, I guess the biggest question, one, was it intentional just because Barnes and Farrell said it wasn't? And then, two, Pedroya saying those things that could be caught on camera instead of doing it in-house. I guess those are kind of the two main things in terms of the Red Sox people are talking about, so... Thoughts?
1: Don't you guys love this? This is great. <laughs> like, uh, and you guys know, I, I'm one to um, love controversy, and I just love this kind of crap, but, like, this is what we've we been missing. You know, Red Sox-Yankees, right, has been the staple for something like this for years. We grew up the a rod Veritech situation, the Arroyo slap, all that stuff. The Don Zimmer-Pedro moment, like, which I loved, by the way. Um, like, you grew up with all this stuff, and then you haven't had that in a long time, and yeah, it's about the Yankees, and that might come back, but right now, this could spark something between these two teams, and maybe it's our generation's Red Sox-Yankees, you know, this generation's version of it, who knows, but, you know, Manny Machado, obviously, was crap, we all know it was crap, and um, Erod threw low and and retaliated, I don't know if Barnes needed to do it too, but um, that being said, I highly doubt it was actually an accident. <laughs> um, I have to assume that Matt Barnes went after him and he went after him on purpose. And, um, it's just overall, I think it's a great situation, but obviously Pedroya in the leadership being questioned. Um, I think Zach Britton needs to shut his mouth. You're on the DL dude, relax, get healthy and pitch. Don't worry about other teams, but I, I, I do love it. Um, I, I just love the back and forth. Now, um, I don't know if Padre is saying that to cover it in terms of the thing, that's not baseball, but and I'm kind of intrigued to see what Lauren thinks about this, but overall, guys, I love it. I love the back and forth. I love the heat of it. Obviously it started with a dirty play, but something always sparks stuff like
2: this, so. Yeah, I mean I love the animosity as well. Uh I I do think it was intentional. I don't think he wanted to go up as high as he did. I don't I don't like that you know, throwing at someone's head. I don't like the idea of that. I am all for retaliation. I'm all for, like, you know, hit him hit him in the ribs. Hit him in the back. Hit him. Don't don't throw near the head. It's, it's such a dangerous territory. That's my only thing with that, but I do think it was intentional. Uh, the whole Pedroya thing, you know, with Matt Barnes throwing at Machado, that's, you know, Barnes's way of sticking up with Pedroya. and Pedroya kind of threw him under the bus, like, that's not baseball, that's not this, like, you know, Pedroia's been in the game long enough where he knows that is baseball. It's part of the game. Your teammate's sticking up for you because you're injured, because this guy took you out of the game for, you know, hopefully not long, but he's still taking you out of the game, a key player who we need at second base. And is going to come out and say, you know, it's not right, it's not me. And that that kind of irked me a little bit, got, got my blood boiling a little just because, you know, that that's your teammate sticking up for you and you're going to do that. But still love Petey. And then Zach Britton just—you you guys said—it needs to shut his mouth because if Pedro can't control his players, that's not that's not Pedroia's problem. That's Farrell's problem. Farrell needs to control those players. And you know, I know Petey's a veteran voice to that clubhouse. He's been there for a long time. These guys look up to him. But it's not at the end of the day, it's not his job to control those players. That's he's there as a player himself.
1: And what I hate about that, that comment too is. You know, Britain. like, what about your teammates? Like, are you a leader in that locker room? Control your players. Machado should be a leader. All those guys should be leaders in that clubhouse, and you guys are high-sticking, high-clipping Pedroia, including him in the knee and and, and all this stuff. Worry about yourselves.
0: Yeah, I think Zach Britton's an idiot. Uh, he just needs to stop talking. This has nothing to do with Pedroia's leadership. It's just, like, why even say anything? Why even bring yourself into the situation? So I think that was stupid. I do think Matt Barnes hit him on purpose. Uh, yeah, hopefully he didn't think it was going to be that high because I don't think Barnes is a bad guy. I don't think he's maliciously out to go hit people in the head. Um, with, for me, with the whole retaliation thing, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't really like it because it can get dangerous like this. Like Guys guys are like getting their adrenaline pushed, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to hit this guy. I'm really excited. And then it flies out of their hand, and they throw it way higher than they maybe want to. So I think it's dangerous in the first place. And I'm going to stick up for Pedroia here, not because I am obsessed with Dustin Pedroia and he's like my favorite player ever. I mean, that is why I'm sticking up for him. But really, in terms of this situation, um, one, I I like that he's able to speak his mind no matter what. I think it takes a a bigger person to be able to do that and to be like, hey, guess what? I actually don't agree with this and I don't think we should be retaliating. And I think we should have just moved on. And he doesn't—he's not afraid of saying that in front of people. And he just, you know, he just said what he thought, and it happened to be caught on camera. And I think he's probably okay with that because that's what he thinks—he's the bigger person. He said, "Hey, guess what, Machado? I wouldn't have done this if it was my choice." You know, it's great his teammate sticking up for him, but clearly he didn't want his teammate to stick up for him. He just wanted the situation to go away. So I think Pedroia saying what he thinks makes him a bigger person because he he can say what he thinks, even if it's not the popular opinion, even though he's not sticking up for his teammates. That's what he thinks. So this is not like a team thing. This is a personal thing. This is what he believes, and he believes they shouldn't have done that, and he said that. I'm fine with that.
2: I, I'm i totally fine with the whole dugout reaction when, you know, because Machado kind of looked over at the, at the dugout and Pejori saying, no, it wasn't me. Like, he was, you know, saying he didn't tell Barnes to do it, which I like that. I just don't like how... Kind of his after his post game comments and saying you know that it's, it's not right blah 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 that's not baseball when he, he knows damn well it's baseball that's how it's always worked and um like and like you said Jess I do love that he can always speak his mind no matter what that's something I've always admired about Pedroia because he just doesn't care like he just doesn't have that filter because he's always going to speak his mind because why wouldn't he he shouldn't have to sugarcoat anything and that's exactly what he did here Um I just think. Like, I'm, like i like said, I'm totally cool with what he how the whole dugout thing. Like, hey, it wasn't me, like. But I just don't like that he kind of threw Barnes under the bus, where you know he's sticking up for his teammate, but he's just kind of like, you know, I like, like you said, Pedro probably didn't want him to do it, but that's you know, your teammates, your family, that that's just what happens.
1: Yeah, and like he clearly was just you know, even if he didn't tell him to do it, that's what you do. Like you said, you know, if if I'm at Barnes, I probably do the same thing. You know, like. And maybe 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 um, their teammates knew about it. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? But you know, if I'm if I'm him, I, I do it too. So I, I don't blame him for that. And Pedroia is always going to speak his mind. So we love that for sure. <laughs> um, no, does this linger? I mean, obviously, they, I don't even know when the next time they play. But does this linger into the next series whenever they play him again?
0: Oh they yeah, play, they play next week.
1: They do play next week. I knew it was somewhat close. Yeah, um, like May
0: first, second, third, or something like that. Yeah. Okay.
1: So it'll linger then. <laughs> Um, Yeah,
0: probably. I mean, it's it's bound to. And that's not what Pedroia wants. He wanted to move on after the slide happened. He was already like, I love Manny Machado. I've had enough of this and I don't want this to continue. And then it continued. And now it's probably going to continue again. So that's probably not what he wants. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the Orioles, what they do. If anybody thinks that Pedroia should get hit and like continue this, then they're crazy because he's made it clear that he wants nothing to do with this from the second it started from the second he got slid into because he didn't he wanted to, he wanted to push on the second that happened because he didn't him he, he said himself he said I, I don't think it's intentional you know like it was just a slide unfortunately it was a late slide but so honestly i mean this stuff's fun but since i'm such a big pedroia supporter i kind of hope it just blows over and turns into nothing because that's what he wants and i don't want him to have to deal with this anymore
1: <laughs> <laughs> um it might but i highly doubt it will um, this is, this is going to linger and I'm sorry, Jess, I'm sorry, Pejoria, but, um, it's going to linger, but, um, let's talk something positive, right? As much as that's fun, I can talk about that for hours. Um, Andrew Benatendi is on this team and he went five for five with five singles. Unfortunately, they were all singles, but still went five for five on Sunday. First, obviously the first five hit game of his career. Um, he did break Babe Ruth's record, who was formerly the youngest player to do that on the Red Sox uniform. Babe was 23. Uh, when he did it, guys, Andrew Benatendi, beginning of the year, people were questioning, you know, all he did was the home run opening day, he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, he's not hitting well, blah, 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 guys, it's the end of April, and now he's hitting well, he went five for five, he's breaking babe's records, and this guy looks legit, I I know we're we basically going to talk about this guy every week, this is like what we did last year with Hanley, only for good reasons, we're going to talk about Andrew Benatendi every year, every week this year, like, this guy can hit, he looks comfortable, He's not afraid of any big moments. And when the Red Sox need a hit, I am very, very comfortable with knowing that if he's at the plate, um, obviously other players as well, but Ben is something that isn't going to be an issue despite his age.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've absolutely loved watching him since he came up last season. And it's been, I'll go back to this a hundred times, and I feel like a broken record saying over this, but, you know, part of him going five for five was that plate patience that he just so like graciously has. And it's just amazing watching him at the plate and just watching him take perfect pitch after perfect pitch until he sees his perfect pitch that he wants. And I really think this guy's the real deal. You know, he's the number one prospect at all of baseball for a reason, and he just continues to show that like game after game. And he's just, he's so fun to watch cause he, and he's so young. And I really think like, I, you know, I, I said, I was worried about him hitting his peak too early, maybe like 25, 26 He'll start kind of slowing down and burning out. But I just kind of think he's going to be that one in a million player where he's just constantly good. And of course, he's going to have, you know, bad games, bad streaks. He's going to have droughts. But at the end of the day, he's going to be an amazing player for the next 10 or 12 years. And that's crazy to think that he's going to be around that long, but he's only 22.
0: Yeah, this guy is. They're clearly a stud. They definitely made the right decision trading Moncada instead of him. That's becoming clearer by the day, by the hour, by the second, really, at this point with what he keeps doing. So, I mean, five hits, that's that's hard to do, and he makes it look easy, and he's rolling his average is almost 350. He's breaking records. This guy's clearly legit. They thought he was legit. He's taking the challenge. He's not getting flustered by it, and he's just going out there and hitting the ball. I mean, what more can you ask for? This guy's playing great.
1: And you, you know he's going to end up in a slump at some point. Like, he can't be doing this all year, but th- there's a reason why this guy has been labeled for, like, almost an automatic rookie of the year. Like, this is what people saw, and this is why he is the top prospect in in baseball.
0: It is nice when things work out how people expect. You know, sometimes things are just completely off, and they're like, this guy's going to be great, and he's terrible. Like, it's cool when people are like, this guy's going to be awesome, and then he is awesome. Like, like Chris Sale this year, like, Oh, he's not gonna have a first bad year in Boston like everybody else does here. He's gonna come in here and be incredible like he is. So it's just fun when things actually go like you expect because so often so many things don't go anywhere near what anybody expects. So when something actually happens that people are expecting, it's like, wow, look, they were right, this guy is actually really good. It's kinda cool. Yeah,
2: it's like and I'll go back to it. Like he's just so fun to watch and it's you know, just like you said, they absolutely made the right call in trading Mankata I know I was kind of against it for a little bit because I I was really you know pro Mankata over here but it's becoming clearer and clearer why they kept Benintendi and not Mankata and at the end of the day they absolutely made the right decision I I I love Benintendi I love watching him and it's gonna be so much fun to watch him develop not just this season but for seasons to come just because he's so young we have we have so much Ben Intendi
1: to look forward to. And, he's, and you know he's going to be a guy that they value and keep around for a very long time. I mean, he could be someone that you see either being a Red Sox for life or being a Red Sox who, you know, leaves at the very, very tail end, um, like, say, Jimmy Rollins did from Philly or that kind of situation when, um, you know, this nowadays, it's obviously tough to play for the same team the whole, your whole career. Um, Don't tell he, Dustin Bedroy that. No, I know. Um, but you know you, you could see him be the next like Dustin Pedroia or Derek Jeter of this era. You know, like he's he could be that kind of player, and and you're you're kind of watching it unfold at the beginning, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's a lot of fun to watch, and uh, he's people are gonna forget about Moncada real fast if they already haven't because we have Benintendi and Sale who we traded Moncada for. So it's like Moncada who or Yoan you who? Yeah,
1: seriously. <laughs> um okay so there obviously he, he he really good news with him um news on Brock Holt um he went to the 10-day DL with Vertigo guys I mean I don't know about you guys but I questioned obviously why he wasn't playing um and I love I, I think Marco Hernandez can be okay but I, I was surprised that you know we didn't see Brock Holt in certain situations and then to hear this news explains a lot of, of managerial decisions but you know it's obviously unfortunate in, in verticals, no laughing matter by any means.
2: Yeah, it definitely sucks. Uh, I know I didn't know he even had it at all until today. Um, and yeah, I was questioning Farrell's decisions not playing him. I was kind of thinking like, where's Brock Holt? Where has he been? And you know, vertigo, vertigo sucks. I've never experienced it. I've never dealt with it, but I've had friends who have dealt with it, and it's just it's so they can't even I can't even explain it obviously I've never had it but it's just it's ridiculous it's crazy and it's amazing that like something like that can just kind of overcome you and really just kind of screw up your your day-to-day life
0: yeah it's pretty bad I definitely don't want to have it it sounds horrible but um I don't know I don't want to be this guy but is this kind of the end for Brock Holt because he was in the minors for a long time he struggled to each the majors then he made it and then he made that ridiculous all-star team two years ago, and then was pretty good, and then slowly he's just kind of fallen off. His average has gone way downhill. He really doesn't get that many hits anymore. I know he doesn't play a ton, but he's not very reliable anymore, and he doesn't really get that many hits anymore. So, like, did he have his peak, and is he on his way down? And it's like, is this kind of it for his career? I don't know. It's just the way that his career unfolded so far and what happens to guys like this, I just, I just feel like he's not going to be around much longer.
1: It'd be a fortune to just have Vertigo be the reason why he goes, but um, I mean, has been happening see, for a while. Yeah, no, I know, and I, I can see why. What you're saying, you know, and, and it seems like at least here in Boston, uh, Marco Hernandez is starting to take over that utility role. Well, he's been he's playing. Good. He's yeah, really he's, good. He's pretty good. He's been playing multiple positions. You know, um, if if Pablo Santos you know, didn't work out, you could argue him being that guy, you know, or, or if Pedro ever got hurt or couldn't play, you know, you could argue him to play in certain spots. So, um, whereas always I had something small about Brock Holt not being an everyday player, even when he was doing well. Um, so you can see the step up there, and, and the, the, I'm going to say the writing's on the wall, because it's very unfortunate why Brock Holt's on the DL, but, you know, sometimes someone comes who's a better player, and this might be that situation where Brock Holt either plays for another team when he's healthy and ready to go, um, when that time comes, for him to kind of find another team, or you know, maybe it is the end of his career.
2: It's really kind of sad to think that this could be, you know, the end because you know he's been with us for a while and we've really taken a liking to him. You know, he's utility player; you can really essentially play any position. You just kind of throw him in there, and he'll play. And you really like that kind of attitude in a player. And I mean, I, I don't think it is, but I did read an article today. Re- regarding Brock Holt where you know, Farrell didn't have to make a decision because with Jackie Bradley Jr. being brought up they and Brock Holt going on the DL he didn't need to make room for or a roster move, he didn't have to send anybody down to AAA, so it makes you think like when Brock Holt comes back, what's Farrell going to do? Who's, who's going to be the odd man out? Is it going to be Holt? Is his career over here? And he's not that old either, he's young and it's kind of unfortunate that his career has played out the way it has, that he kind of hasn't Blossomed the player that he we thought he he may be, but it's kind of sad to think that this this could be the end.
1: Well, I mean, depending yeah. on. Sorry again, no, Jess.
0: I was just gonna say I, I think it is. I don't think it's the end of his career, but I, I don't think he's gonna be here much longer. Just well, the end because... of
2: his Boston career, I should say. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hernandez is just kind of taken over that role, and he seems to be a better, younger version of Holt. I mean, Holt's been great; I really like him. He seems like a really nice guy, and he had some really good good moments here. But it's just like I don't know; he's just been declining kind of rapidly for you know about a year and a half now. So I just I don't see him keeping it around. He just doesn't have enough value. And now that we have a player who basically is him except younger and better, it's like I just don't see a place for him.
1: And you look at you know I mean short term, obviously long term probably means Brock Holt's gone, but even short term you know. If Brock Holt can come back, you know, what does that mean for Hanley Ramirez, right? You know, he's on he he could be on the DL because now he's having two issues with his shoulders. And, and we can talk about that, but it's like, you know, Hanley's having issues. Can Brock Holt come back and, you know, play a role in the field to have someone else DH and, and things like that? So Brock Holt can still be a key piece, especially if there are some injuries with Hanley. But um, it is unfortunate to see that situation kind of go in that direction. Um, I'm going to use that as my segue. Do you guys think that Hanley Ramirez is, is an issue or... Or is he, like, what's the fix for Hanley? Obviously, if he has issues that are having problems with his shoulders, you want it to get fixed, but can it really get fixed? One, apparently, was from his non-throwing shoulder from when he hit that wall uh, back in 2015. Like, that's still apparently bugging him. Like, dude's getting old, but, like, come on. That that was a while ago.
2: It makes me nervous because you know, he didn't want to play the outfield, so he kind of he kinda sucked that year, and Now that we have Moreland at first and he's just, you know, beasting this year already, it kind of makes me nervous that Hanley's got that mindset where he's like, well, uh, he's got, he's playing first. He's doing fine. I don't, I'm not going to play. I don't want to play kind of like that lazy mindset going on. And it's definitely a little concerning, especially if it's both shoulders, something stemming from two seasons ago. And especially his throwing shoulder, you know, that's obviously very concerning. So. I don't know he's always been a, a tough one to figure out you know he had such a good season last year at first so maybe he's you know bitter he's not playing or maybe he doesn't want to like I said he's just kind of got that lazy mindset i i really don't know
0: yeah i don't have much hope for him i mean i said in my bold predictions at the beginning of the year that he's gonna have a way down year not hit a lot of home runs and not have much impact on the team and losing ortiz and everything and this just kind of his feeding into that like shoulder injuries you're not going to play first base somebody's playing better you're going to dh and it's just like the perfect situation for him to just not care anymore and just go through the motions and not play that well and that's kind of what's happening right now unfortunately with him and i don't know i mean i have hope that he can get better but at this point he doesn't seem doesn't seem very into it
1: no he doesn't and you know he looked uh i mean he was pretty excited about the he hit but um he doesn't have the same fire he did last year and and partially i think hanley you know misses david ortiz and I, i think last year he got a lot of his fire from ortiz and we've seen in the past when he had to be the guy who was the only one with that spark plug or had to be one of the leaders it was hard for him to do that last year he didn't have to be that you know he did it not really by choice he did it just kind of coincidentally because he was having fun with david ortiz i think it's a bigger thing than people are making um People don't realize, I don't think, how important David Ortiz was to Hamley Ramirez and what he was doing last year.
0: Yeah, I think the whole situation is just, I don't know. He needs everything to work out perfectly for him to kind of put everything together, and that did happen last year, no doubt, and that was great to see. But he's been too inconsistent uh, with different things throughout his career, not even just playing-wise, but just like off the field and everything. its just, I don't know. He's too... He's too all over the place for me, and it's just hard to rely on someone like that. And when we're relying on him to be right in the middle of the lineup, hitting home runs, well, he's hit one so far. He's not really making an impact. He's hitting, like, 240. He's just not playing that well. And I don't know if it's because of his shoulders or because he doesn't care or what, but it just always seems to be something with him, and the situation like, has to be exactly perfect for anything to happen.
2: Yeah, it's it's frustrating because we, I mean, I know, Jess, you, your bold prediction kind of goes against you know, my thoughts, I thought he was going to have a pretty good year. And I know it's still early, it's still April. And, but I just feel like he should have more than one home run right now. He should, his batting average should be higher. And it's, it's definitely frustrating because we have, we've invested so much money in him. We signed him long-term. So it's just like, we're, we're stuck with him. And I don't want his attitude to become a problem because we know it can become a problem. And I don't want to see him get lazy again. So I, I'm hoping it's just his shoulders are bugging him and he'll figure it out. But part of me is just like, no, nope, it's not even close to it. He's just, it's Hanley being Hanley.
1: I think the biggest thing we're going to have to figure out and just wait and see is just, you know, his shoulders might be bugging him, but, you know, there's work. There's rehab, there's work to do around that to strengthen your shoulders up to want to play. It's You have to want to play. Um, you have to want to work hard to get the injuries, the injury bug to leave you. You have to want to work hard to be on that field. Even if it is just designated hitting, you have to want to work hard to do that. We saw how much David Ortiz put into being onto that field. And we saw what happened to him. You know, his feet gave out and eventually had to stop playing. But we saw the pain he was playing through for his team. Hanley Ramirez needs to show a lot to us right now in regards to all this. You know, we know he's hurt. We know he's not 100%. Let's see what you're made of. You know, can you come back from this? Can you strengthen those shoulders and and be tough for this year and see what you can do for your team? And And that's a big question mark with Hanley. And that's been like that for his entire career. So I think that, you know, it's a big time for him, not just as a teammate for the Red Sox, but as a, as a person himself, he said last year, a lot of the times, you know, he wants to be a better person. He always wanted to stay in Boston. Now prove it. You're here. You're here in a big moment. You're the guy right now, or one of the guys um, in a big season for this team in this city. Prove that you actually want to be here. Um, and and that's something that's going to be huge for him this year because now he doesn't have David Ortiz to fall back on. Um but like look, I, I, a lot of Red Sox stuff's going on. We talked a lot of, about a lot, everything and you know, we'll obviously keep you up to date on what's going on. But um before we get out of here and do our predictions, um one thing that we I want to touch on around the league um is Madison Baumgarter because guys he's never been on the DL a day in his life um until this year. Um and it wasn't even baseball related. Madison Baumgarter has been in the league I don't even know how many years now, never been on the DL, and he's going on the DL well he is on the DL. Because of injuries he suffered in a dirt biking accident.
2: Well, you're pretty dumb for riding a dirt bike during the season and knowing that you could risk injury. You know, dirt, dirt bikes are, are dangerous. I I've ridden them before. I and you know anything can happen. Look, and this is a perfect example of it. though know, I don't really know the extent of what happened, but all it takes is one wrong turn on those things, and you're going over. You know, you could have hit something as simple as a rock hit the sand the wrong way turned too too far but it's just it's stupid you know you're the ace of the staff you're an amazing pitcher and and i understand you want to have fun and on your off days and but there's there's plenty of other things you could do and it's now you're missing up to two months with this ac joint injury and it's it's just it's stupid it's and like I said, I get they want to have fun on their off days, they want to enjoy their time, but that's why you have the offseason.
0: Yeah, it's too bad for them. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't been in the DL up to this point. But honestly, I saw this. Is this not the most Madison Bumgarner thing to ever happen in the world? Like it doesn't surprise me at all. Like this is this guy is like this. Like he would go on a dirt bike and go hurt himself because he just like does whatever he wants and he's just kind of like a goofy dude. Like when I saw it, I was like, "Yep, that makes sense."
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so unfortunate that he's out six to eight weeks because of something like this. Like, of course he goes di- dirt biking. Of course he gets hurt on his pitching shoulder, and now he's out six to eight weeks. When the guy was lights out like always. Already had a couple ding dongs. Like he he was on a on pace for another great season, and then he got on a dirt bike in the middle of the season.
2: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, like just said, it's I'm not surprised. It's some it's something not baseball related that he's going on a DL with, and but it's I don't know. I mean, it's it just blows my mind that these these players will sometimes kind of do. You know, fun but stupid things where they know they could risk this injury and they're not invincible. But it's just unfortunate. I mean, it's not like he pulled a Ben Mosburger got on the street bike and was driving on the highway and crashed it. Then you know, it's nothing like that. It's just it's just silly for these players to do stuff like this.
0: Yeah, he talked about it today. Apparently, he said, "I realize that's definitely not the most responsible decision I made. It sucks <laughs> not being able to be out there with the guys trying to help us win games." Like, yeah, no crap, Madison.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously, you rode, a, you rode a dirt bike. Honestly, even riding a dirt bike in the off season when you're massive Madison bomb gunner, don't do it. Like, <laughs> you don't don't get on a dirt bike until you're retired. Thank you very much. I'm a Giants fan. I'm like, wait, what are you doing? Like, I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm still looking at him. Like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. Um, but yeah, so I, there's a few things that went on around the league. Um, courtesy of time, we'll leave it at that. Uh, but we would we do want to do our predictions before we get out of here for the week. Uh, of course, Jess was right again, like last week. Um just seriously just you need to go pro with doing this stuff. But um I know. we have two series coming up this week, three at the good old New York Yankees, then three home against the defending world champion Chicago Cubs. Um Jess, how you have not doing against the uh, Bronx Bombers?
0: Yeah, I have been uh, winning two out of three from the Yankees. Uh the Yankees are playing really well. Uh, they've they've been good all season. They had an eight game winning streak, they're eleven and seven, half game ahead of the Red Sox. Um but I think that most of their wins have been at home and at the State road series because it's at Fenway. And uh, I just feel like Sox will take two out of three. Chris Sales pitch him one of the games. He's gonna he's gonna knock those uh, Bronx bombers all over the place with the strikeouts. So I like two out of three in home series, quiet them a little bit, get some wins.
2: Yeah, Jess, you, you took the words right from my mouth. You know, I, I'm right there with you. Have two out of three from the Yankees and. It's always nice when the Yankees come into Fenway or when we, when we go to Yankee stadium, it's, it's nice when they play one another and it's, I I really think the rivalry between the two teams has kind of been lost over the years. And I think it's finally starting to come back up and the more games we win, I think the rivalry kind of sparks more because the Yankees fans are just absolutely ridiculous, but no, nope, I'm taking two out of three. You're, I just, I don't see the Yankees walking away with more than one win.
1: Yeah, I'm the same, I'm the same way. Um, And I I think that, uh, I I do think that they do win two out of three in the same way there. I think the rivalry is not quite there, Um, but I think the the amount of young players on both rosters um, can help that, you know, um, the Red Hawks have a young core who can get heated and, and same thing with the Yankees and obviously everyone has a feud with Jacoby Ellsbury, so um, uh, I think that could be fun in itself. But um yeah, so I have them winning two out of three against the Yankees. I also have them winning two out of three against the Cubs for a four and two week. Um I don't know why I have them winning two to three against the Cubs, because the Cubs are obviously a really good team, but um Red Sox can be as well and the and the Cubs and the Red Sox are pretty close in record this year and um you know, Red Sox are one of the top teams in baseball for a reason. I think the Red Sox kinda of find a way to beat the Cubs at home. Um yeah, so I, I mean, I look at it as a, a really, really kind of strong week for the Red Sox going forward, too. more um, I know you don't feel so optimistic about this Cubs series as me and Jess might.
2: No, which is which is rare. Usually, it's me who's super optimistic, and I would predict sweeps every week if I could. But uh, realistic, Lauren is here, and I think they're going to lose two out of three from the Cubs for a for a three and three week. Um, I, I know the Cubs aren't amazing they're not having like the best year after they won the world series last year had that great year but i just i don't know there's something about interleague play and the cubs coming in here kind of shaking things up and i just i i don't know especially with how the red Sox offense has been performing the cubs also when i left work tonight had 14 runs on the board so kind of makes me nervous for the weekend but i don't think it's going to be like a 14-2 to blowout um Throughout the weekend, but I just don't see the Red Sox putting up offense against the pitching staff of the Chicago Cubs.
0: Well, regardless of all that, um, I'm going to go crazy and say sweep the Cubs.
2: Oh my <laughs> goodness!
0: <laughs> yeah, there's the bold the bold statement of the week. A nice five and one week. Uh, see, I'm not I'm not resting my laurels and saying, yeah, I'll I'll uh, take the generic two out of three or whatever, um, just because I have predicted stuff well. I'm going with the sweep in a five and one week. Can I get this right, guys? Let's sign me up for, for something big here because it's going to get real.
1: I pray you're right, if they can go five and one against the Yankees and the Cubs, I'm all in. But Let's go. Um, don't see it happening, of course, but that would be fun. Um, so hey, they're you the, four and
0: two. That's close.
1: Four and two would be also very fun. Three and three, meh. Lauren, I'm really surprised that I am not three and three with you, but I'm not. Um, I know. I'm
2: surprised,
1: too. <laughs> so if you're three and three, I might as well be uh, two and four. Um, no big week obviously for the Red Sox head with the Yankees I half came up on them obviously and the Cubs being the Cubs and coming to Fenway and it's always fun when those two teams get together and very expensive ticket for Fenway Park so if you want to go open that wallet uh, but use the Seeky cap and you can get $20 off um, so we'll leave it there Jess 5-1 and one, Lauren 3-3 three and three, myself 4-2 and two. Um, so we'll see we'll convene next week and see how Jess did as we're going to keep track all year for uh, Jess's predictions but um, this podcast obviously is on demand right now. You're listening to us either on iTunes and Stitcher, which we really appreciate. Of course, don't forget to download the CLNS mobile podcast app as well um, on iTunes or the uh, Google Play Store. Uh, of course, today's show was brought to you by our good friends, uh, of course, at SeatGeek as well as ZipRecruiter. You can start using ZipRecruiter for free uh, now by going to ZipRecruiter.com backslash sportsfan. Also, check out Audible. If you go to Audible.com backslash trynow, uh, you get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial for free um, as well as Audible. So if you're in the car, you sit in traffic a lot, Audible's great to have that. It's something to kind of listen to and getting sucked into on uh, the way to work. But if you have already listened to this week's Red Sox Beat, of course. Um, so, yeah, so we'll be back next week on Twitter. Don't forget to follow us at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Stay tuned for any, um, anything the written, well, not really the written coverage anymore. I guess you can call it the audio coverage um, led by Jess <laughs> Thomas. Uh, puts out any round tables and obviously recaps and things like that. Keep an eye out for it as well. Um, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am the newly engaged Jared Scalley. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CHONUS Radio.